Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today we're talking about judgment. Judgment, fear of judgment, and how we, depending on how we brought up and our environment and our thoughts in our heads, judgment becomes a terrible thing because we put ourselves in boxes and we put other people in boxes. And with that, we prevent each other from coming together and learning from each other, growing and just having the possibility of beautiful relationships. And because of judgment, we don't have those opportunities. I've got a beautiful guest um, today, and it's a follow-up from our last podcast a few months ago, Seth Haven. Hello, Seth. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you. Ah, it's good to see you too, hey, um, Seth. <laughs> well, in my imagination. Okay. Well, that sounded weird. <laughs> well, that's that's what I make a living on. <laughs> um, Seth, tell us a bit. How are you doing, by the way? I'm really good. Thank you. How about you? I'm good. Thank you. And um, how's your book doing? Well, so the second book is finally um, almost ready. I'm, it's at the editors and I'm ready to publish, I think, by mid-April. Oh, no, mid God, I'm losing my months. Yeah, so I'm excited. It's, um, I'm, I'm a little scared because it's vulnerable. And it's also, um, this one takes place before the first one. So it's a prequel. Nice. And um, yeah, and it's, uh, it takes place from about age seven to about 18. And it explores what, culturally goes on for women when we grow up and I was actually exploring the question of why was cortisone so right for me what was it in my childhood that might have um lent that or tipped me that direction so that's what the book is about there's no escort stories but lots of sex weirdly enough more sex than the first book so I don't know how that happened <laughs> that's quite interesting right um and how how they you you see you see from the beginning with the with the um at from age seven how you got into this so okay without giving uh, telling us anything about the book so that people can go and read it by the way we will have um pre-sales and everything in the description below but tell us a bit about what you think triggered this what triggered the courtesan life for you well that's what the book's about so I don't know if I want to talk too much about it but um but when I was exploring I was kind of exploring from the point of view of what sexually what was the um influences sexually how I felt about sexuality um and how I felt about men or boys and myself within that and um I don't want to say the conclusion that I came to because that'll give away the book but um right <laughs> but, there was, yeah, but, there, <laughs> but it's a bigger book the first book is um 
I think 295 pages and this one is got a hundred pages more. So there's a part one and a part two. Um, and there's a lot of judgment that like you were speaking of um, from, coming from everywhere and how that shapes who you think you are. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a mirror to you, especially when you're young and open and unclear about how you fit into the world and how you should fit into the world that's most beneficial to you. Uh, yes, I love that. And um, it's quite interesting how, yes, depending on your um, your upbringing and depending where you come from, like for me, um, I just want just as a, a side note here before I continue with that thought is um, while I was interviewing you for the, and I think we did discuss it a little bit, but while we were doing the um, podcast the first time, I realized that there were so many emotions within me um, judgments coming up um, within me, and and I realized that they weren't really my voices. They were the voices of my my parents, my culture, the church, the the people, my friends. And I'm and I'm, and I was thinking, what are the people going to think about me? What are they going to think about me talking to Seth? Um, and I and I'm and I'm and I'm being honest, and I apologize for that. If you know, because you know, this is like something that is is taboo in society, right? But at, the, but at the end of the day, it's each to their own and everyone makes their own decisions on how they want to live their lives, right? Yeah, it's interesting. What was coming up for you? I would be interested to know all the judgments. <laughs> no, but it's very interesting because so that's... The ju- really- you know, the, yeah. judge, the judgments, because obviously you read and... But mostly I'm, um, I'm a good Italian Catholic... Well, I was a good Italian Catholic girl, right? So you brought up in the church, you know, and that we won't even go into a religious we won't even go down that road because it it becomes very contentious but people that do your job are not okay right you know that's not a good job to do but on the other hand I think more more than judgment it was probably conflict on one level because I believe that it's each to their own no judgment right yet on the other hand there was this judgment within me and it wasn't even about you it was within me what people would think about me interviewing you on my podcast what were you like what like what like you-, you know um it's like how can you interview a an escort on your podcast yeah i know it's, it's <laughs> it doesn't even it doesn't you know as i say this i'm thinking to myself Wow, that doesn't even make sense, really. It's um, <laughs> it's really really random, um, but it shows you how how you you judge yourself and um, put yourself in a box without really thinking it through, really. Right? I don't think you're alone with that, though. I mean, I know that, um, for instance, finishing the second book, I, I'm asking people that I want to acknowledge in the book if I should put their full name or if they would just prefer no name at all and just let me thank them, or if they want to have um, just their first name. And I just thought um, that's just a courtesy to people, but I didn't even think that they would, that there would be an embarrassment about knowing me or being associated with the book, but actually the responses were interesting because these were people that helped me enough for me to want to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. So one person said, I asked her if she'd like her first name, her last name, or no name. And she said, oh, my God, put all of me. I'm so excited about this book, and I love it. And I think women are going to love it. And I think even men are going to love it. And, and nice. so then I asked another 
person who I'm going to thank. And he said, you can't put me in anywhere near the book. And I said, why? He said, because just like you have a secret life, so do I. And he said, I don't want anyone to know that I know an escort. And that was interesting because obviously I know him enough to thank him. Uh, So, you know, and he obviously doesn't have any problem with my business or we wouldn't be dear friends. So it's an interesting thing how much judgment plays a part in that. So that's quite interesting. So it's really about judgment of self, but it's not, it goes deeper than that. I think if if you if if I understand what you're saying, and I you know you think about society and us as a whole, right, as people, it goes deeper than that because it's about lies and honesty, right? It's a, because if you like him, he didn't want to be associated with that because it wasn't even about you. It was about his secret coming out. And whereas she was like, oh, this is cool. I mean, it's great. I, I don't care about, because I'm open enough uh, to, to be and honest enough with myself to say, hey, you know, it, it's okay for me to be a, friends with Seth Haven. So what? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so again, we'll go back and say the judgment isn't, we, we, we may pretend that judgment is because of our past life, because of family, because of church, because of whatever. But in reality, it's about our own judgment. Yes. And it was interesting that you say that. I, a long time ago, I had a, she's still my friend, but I had a girlfriend that was my, at that time, we were best friends. And mm-hmm. we had a tiny little disagreement. I don't remember what it was about. It wasn't going to end our friendship, but we didn't talk for a few days because we needed the space, I think, to, to let it breathe. But anyway, she wrote me um, a quick letter. And in it, she said, I'm disappointed that you're angry with me because I was there for you. I even, it didn't even matter to me or I didn't let it matter to me that you were an escort. And I thought, wow, (laughs) I didn't even know that that was in your mind. You know, that you felt that you were friends with me despite the fact that I was an escort. It didn't occur to me that she felt that she was putting aside her judgments just for me. So that was interesting. That was interesting. But then on the other hand, um, what does that say about her? Well, because, yeah, yeah, because um, so she was friends with you despite her being an escort. So was she trying to save you from yourself or was she trying to save herself? Or maybe she was just trying to be your friend because it was, I don't know, like, that's we were we were great friends and we are great friends. I just didn't know that in the back of her head. Like it would be, you know, um, like saying to somebody, you know, I like you despite despite the fact that you have chihuahuas. You know, <laughs> like oh, yes, yes. Like I had no idea you didn't like chihuahuas <laughs> and had to subliminate that part of yourself for the sake of our friendship. You know, <laughs> whatever it was. Right. It's just interesting. You don't realize the things, the judgments that even with your bestest people are going on about this business, which is so crazy because all these people have a lot of sex, sometimes more than me. <laughs> I'm like, you guys have, I don't know where this judgment was. Is it the fact that I made it into a profession, into an art form and that there was money involved? Is that the issue? Because every, every one of y'all have sex, you know, you do. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know where it comes in. Uh, but I, yes. I know, I know, like you said, there's the church involved and there's a lot of religious 
things that go on about it. I wasn't raised that way, so I don't know them, but yeah. Mm. So, but okay, well, I'm gonna go deep, deeper, but and how did that make you feel when you, when, you, um, when you got that text or that email, whatever it was? Um, when she said to you, well, I liked you, despite the fact that you were. Uh, well, in that case, I was just sort of, yeah, that case, I was just sort of surprised. And because we were such good friends, I never brought it up and we just dropped it. But mm. there were times that I was really good friends with people. And when I was invited to their, I, there was, I was one time invited, sadly, to a funeral. Um, and I got there and I was very good friends with the person that passed away. Um, and, uh, her friends were at this funeral and I didn't know that she had told everybody that that's what I did. And I was, I walked into a lot of people ostracizing me. So nobody talked to me. And I know that it must've been about that. Cause it would, would have been no other reason. Sure. Wow. Um, what did you do? Nothing. What could I do? I just, I, I was at the funeral. So I was there for that reason. I was just so surprised that everybody around was um, so strange about this because these were people who were all actors. And I thought actors and artists uh, had more open minds, but they don't necessarily. Do you think it was fear on some level? Um, fear of Again, we'll go back to to the dude that that said he didn't want his he didn't want to be associated with you in any way, um, because he was afraid that he'd be found out. So perhaps it was a fear again on some level where their lies would be would come out if they associated with you. But no one really knows who you are, right? Um, no, nobody. Not, not that many, well, people do, some people do, but I think the idea of, as like you said, when you interviewed me, you had this sort of nebulous fear that people would associate you with escorts and wonder why you would, you know, interview what they would consider a prostitute, you know, and so you were afraid to be associated with that. And I think um, that other person probably felt the same, you know, he was, had a business in the life and he thought, I don't want people to know that I'm reading about escorts or no escorts, you know, I don't want that to be part of how people associate me. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yes, probably. But if you think about it, on the other hand, um, it's easier to be honest with yourself and to be okay with yourself and say, hey, you know what, um, I'm okay with this, because like I said, it's, it's each to their own and no judgment. It's and true. It's 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 easy to say that, but it's hard to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose like a lot of things, right? A lot of things we can talk about, and um, a lot of there's very few people that walk their talk. If you think well, about it. Yeah, but in my case, I don't think they have to. Like, it's not. I don't even defend myself sometimes, so I'm not, you know, picking up a a sword and going forward saying, "Hey, let's decriminalize." I, I mean, I believe that, and I. I don't, but I don't tell a lot of people what I do. I'm, I'm not standing there saying, this is okay, you should accept me. And so I don't expect anybody else to do that for me either. You know, they, they don't have to go to battle for this cause. No, no, of course not. But I suppose you have to be honest with yourself in a way to say, I'm okay with it. So I'm okay um, 
knowing that I'm interviewing Safe Haven. Um, initially, uh, like I said, I did feel that judgment. And while I was speaking about it today, I realized that I'm over it. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, you know, if, if people like it, it's like this. If they don't, it's still like this. And that's life. Um, and I don't, possibly something happened between then and now, or maybe it didn't, but it doesn't really matter. So maybe it's more about accepting yourself rather than the other person, because how many times do we meet people in the street? And a lot of times those people are our mirrors, right? So that's an interesting point. <laughs> I have that in this new book, this point about mirrors and people being your mirror and exploring that. Because um, I think some of that's true. And I think sometimes it gaslights you a little bit. Yes, yes. Um, but I suppose you also have to be know yourself enough to be able to go back and say, okay, what was it? What was it? What was it that, that made me feel like this and let me deal with it so that I can go back and have um, and be friends with whoever if I want to, right? Yeah. So how, what did what was your journey for that with me? <laughs> so... I don't really know because, like I said, I felt um, I felt it inside me. But maybe it was really Karina from the past who, who felt that, right? Mm -hmm. um, because the you know when we we when we chatted, it wasn't there until I started. Um, we started talking on the podcast. And I think it was that it was probably Karina from the past saying, hey, what are you doing? Like, what is your mother going to say? What is your son going to say? What is whoever down the street going to say? Or, I mean, it's, it's such random stuff, really, because at the end of the day, um, no one cares. And my mother and my son get on with their lives. So it's me judging me, right? I guess. Uh, and yeah. yes, and, and once I came to that realization, then it's okay. You know, it's okay. And it's also about um I suppose I've also done more podcasts, I've spoken to more people, and it's I've become more confident in my message too. Because this is all about fear and breaking it and really no judgment. And we all won, really. Okay, I know that last last time you said, okay, let's go all and sing Kumbaya, right? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that would be a good time now. <laughs> well, there are some people I don't want to be all one with, you know? <laughs> yes, no, of course. But the, the good thing is that you can choose, right? So you can choose to be all one with one person and not with another. You, you don't have to, you can't have billions of people in your life. How do you deal with, well, I don't want billions of people in my life. How am I going to deal with all those people? I'd rather be with people that I, I like and love and that's it, right? Yeah, right. So, Okay, now I've, I've been speaking more than you, Seth. This is no, ridiculous. I think it's well, the reason I think it's good is because that's because I'm not the one with the judgment, I'm the one that's being judged. So, <laughs> if you're talking about judgment, you know, I can only speak of it from the other side, 
you know, I, I think when I first started in the business, um, in terms of judgment, I had judgments about it myself and it tortured me for a while. I started mm-hmm. getting weird, um, like psychosomatic diseases. Yes, <laughs> I, I can believe it. Yeah, that pretty, I'm pretty sure it came from my body and my mind rebelling against what I was doing because I felt ashamed somewhere yes. inside of me. And even though I could say to myself, well, listen, you've had sex a lot and a, a lot of guys just leave you. So it's pretty much the same thing. Only this time you're getting paid. So that's better, you know? Yes. <laughs> but um, but I, but nevertheless, there was always a part of me saying, okay, but when are you getting out? Because this cannot be a career. I mean, you cannot make, you know, prostitution a career. You know, it would just be awful to think that. Um, mm-hmm. So for the first couple of years, I was um, doing it and happily so, and had, you know, on the one hand, living underground quite happily, but on the other hand, the outside world was still of importance to me. It meant something, the judgment of it, and I judged myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would end up with weird, like, fibroid tumors and but I was like wow my whole lower body all the female parts were like you know hating me at that moment (laughs) Ah, of course because you were hating them right yeah and not because of anything that was happening physically uh, to me it was they just decided nah we don't like this and we're going to rebel so and that was an interesting period of time and when I started to I guess take off the judgment on myself um all that went away Yes. So how did, how did you do that? How did you deal with all the conflict and the shame? Because inner conflict, I think, is worse than outer conflict. Yes. It's just outer so conflict, right? Exactly. Yeah, because like at that funeral, I was just saying, you know, I could go home and say, that hurt my feelings. Um, I didn't realize that that's how people felt. And then I can go, ah, you know what? So what? But, um, but when it's from inside, like there's nobody who tortures you better than yourself. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. I'm a master torturer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I guess how I, how did it, how did it end? I don't know, what happened? I don't know. Um, there, there was a time where I just went, um, I think it happened, well, this is taking us way further. It took many, many years before it all went away, but many, many years into working, um, I had worked so hard to save up so much so that I could retire with a lot and be safe and go back to writing and acting. And when I finally did, I think we talked about this last time, but I'm not sure, um, all my money was stolen within a year. Yeah, and and when that happened, after I came out from under that rubble, um, there was a part of me that thought, oh, forget it. You know, what do I care? You know, Mm. nobody else cared when that happened to me. There was so much apathy around it that I thought, why am I caring what these people think when they're apathetic to me anyways, even when I wasn't an escort? So I stopped caring and I went, that's just who I am. And nobody seems to care either way anyways. So that's it then. And then I just kind of went, okay, moving on. What changed? in your life once you came to that realization and you um, took charge of your life in some way and say, you know what, this is my life. Who cares well, what, what changed think? was, yeah, thanks a good question. Um, what changed for me the most, the, the deepest was I got my voice back. Mm. I couldn't speak before um, in an honest way about what I did. I did stand up. So it was the only place I could really say things with a joke, you know, but um, to really speak 
what I was feeling and what I was going through and what I had to say about, you know, how I grew up and women and culture and the business. And I was afraid to really speak the truth. Um, and so I stopped being afraid of that. And my voice came back in terms of not physical voice, but uh, my voice on the page and my, the words that I wanted to say. Mm, mm. That's powerful though. Yeah, a little bit. I felt like, you know, the little mermaid where she loses her voice and she trades it, you know, she trades her voice so she can live on land. And then I thought, well, I don't want to live on land. So I'll just take my voice back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. I love that little story, though. And it's true with that big wicked witch. What is that? Ursula. Ursula, Ursula. yes. Sea hag. Yes. Sea hag or whatever she is. And, you know, it's funny because the woman who stole all my money looks exactly like her. this is weird because I have long red hair and she looked exactly like Ursula and I thought my god are we playing out some dystopian Disney here it's really crazy (laughs) wow what do you what do you think um I think we did talk about it but we didn't go deep enough what do you think she taught you I mean why did you or why did you have to um why did you hate yourself so much or why did you have to put yourself into such a position to allow her to do that to you because remember well, well I, everyone I you have, meet is a, is is an angel right no i don't i don't think so and i think i think that that phrase is somewhat true and somewhat gaslighting because things happen to people like you know that don't have anything to do with them wanting themselves to be a victim of it it's just sometimes people are victimized that's just what it is you know you just someone can you can come home, someone could be rattling your house. You didn't allow that. You know what I mean? Mm, um, mm. So it's not like I invited her or I did anything to bring this on. I I had to stop that victim mentality with mm-hmm. myself and stop mm. blaming myself for something that was okay. So the problem I think is you have the story of Red Riding Hood, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, well, Red Riding Hood you know, shouldn't have gone into the woods and there's a wolf and and she's saying, oh, well, you know, the wolf, well, you know, the problem is not little red. The problem is little red is kind to wolves and the problem is the wolf because it's a wolf, you know? Yeah, that's what wolves do, right? <laughs> yeah, and so we can't blame little red riding hood, you know, and the so I was had to stop blaming myself for you know, hiring a contractor and then thinking, oh, what have I done? Why I opened myself up to this terrible consciousness thief, you know? Mm, And mm, uh, mm. even when I went into, got a lawyer and went to court, he said, why were you such an idiot? (laughs) Because (laughs) because she's an awful person and I can see it a mile away. And, (laughs) And I was like, I don't know, why was I an idiot? You know, and I spent years after, of course, blaming myself for the disaster that occurred with her but and I thought about that phrase that you brought up you know so the phrase originally was by Ken Keyes and from a book called the handbook from higher consciousness and it was like a I think it was like a 70s kind of publication but the phrase was um a loving person lives in a loving world a hostile person lives in a hostile world everyone you meet is your mirror which sounds amazing, right? Mm, Because you mm. think to yourself, well, yes, if I put positive energy and see things positively with rose-colored glasses, then I'm going to be living in that world. Most people will react to me in in the friendly, kind way that I react to them. But when that doesn't happen, because that does happen a lot, but when it doesn't happen and you meet somebody who's a wolf that's meant to kill you and, and wants to devour you, that doesn't mean that you've put out 
you know, eat me energy. <laughs> and I mean that in a nice way. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, it just means that you ran into a wolf and that has no reflection on you. It doesn't mean that that's not a hostile world. That's, that's a wolf. So I couldn't blame myself for that situation. Mm, um, mm. You know, we could, okay. Right. That's fine. What I'm saying, um, what changed? How would your life have been different if she hadn't be come into your life? If she hadn't come in and stolen all your money? Oh my God. Well, my entire life would be different right now. I wouldn't be poor. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't, uh, I would have had money to take care of my family, um, which I had intended to do. Sorry, that's my thing. Um, okay. Sorry about that. I guess you have to cut that out. <laughs> No, I don't do those things. Okay, carry on. <laughs> <That's> all. All. <laughs> so what would, so sorry, what um how would your life have been different um if that hadn't happened? Um well everything would have been different. I, I, I can't even I you know I haven't even I can't hardly imagine that, Karina, because I've had to not imagine what she stole because she didn't just steal my past and all those. 30 million hours I put in, you know, one man at a time, one penis at a time. She yeah. stole all that. She mm. stole my dreams from my future. She stole um, my belief in the justice system. She stole um, my belief and faith in friends, even. Um, she stole my future dreams and she stole my present because right now I'm still working as, you know, working hard to make a living and survive just like everybody else. But I had worked many, many years and saved it all to not have to be worrying at this point. So she basically stole my past, my present and my future in terms of that. But you know, you go on and you live your life and you'd be happy. That's what you do, right? Right, that's exactly. Um, so what about Seth now then? What do you mean? Well, what is your life like now? I mean, you're saying you're still working, but you're writing and you, 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 you're a successful author, right? Well, I don't know, but I don't know what constitutes success. I'm, I think it's successful that my first book, I didn't really market it because I didn't know how to market it um, or that I should perhaps. <laughs> so uh, right now, I think I'm, I'm really happy because I read the reviews and those are organic reviews. They're not reviews that I solicited you know some of them um what came to a book launch but after that no and so now i'm up to over 100 and that's good for a very small author who hasn't marketed but what i like best about it is what people say and how the book moved them and that it meant something to them and i i didn't know that would happen and that mm. means so much because then i'm not just going here's a book like it you know <laughs> no you're right i mean but that's why you'd write the way I feel is that's how you'd want to write a book for me as well is you wanted to impact other people and so they can learn from it, learn from your experiences and maybe take it to a different level for themselves. So that's exciting, right? Yeah, I, it is exciting and it motivated me to want to keep writing more in the series. A lot of people were, it also made me a bit neurotic because, because I started to write the sequel and then I was had I written it on its own before anybody said anything, it probably would have been finished. But I was so nervous about making people happy who liked the first book that I just wound myself into a tizzy 
And then I ended up writing the prequel instead because my brain was like, I can't go forward. I have to go back. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Then that's that's again, you always, if you've got expectations, it's a problem because I think expectations on, on so many levels um oh it's paralyzing and you have that fear again of of you know breaking people's expectation or disappointing people right that oh yeah yeah. and then it took me this long so it's been a couple of years um to write the next book I know there's authors um that write you know a book every three months and that you know it's science fiction fantasy um but I can't seem to do that with the memoir I don't know. So it took me a couple of years and now people are like, oh, she's still writing. What's she doing? <laughs> she's living in a hole somewhere. <laughs> well, I think um, writing a memoir is it's it's really a piece of you. You're taking pieces of you and putting it on the page. Um, it's yes. It, it, and, and you have to have courage to do it. And especially your your um, your topic and what you went through and all the the possibility of all the judgment wow it's like amazing that you you got that far and you managed to to write it finish it and publish it oh thank you I felt that way too secretly I was like god I can't believe I did this (laughs) exactly exactly Seth it's it's an amazing feat um just to do it because of of everything so congratulations and to be able to go back and do the prequel that's exciting because you know you have to again dig deep dig deep it's a lot of internal work and that takes a lot out of you as well so I commend you for that too I'm actually looking forward to it oh Um, thank you it's really a vulnerable book so I'm a little scared so we'll see uh, vulnerable is good Um, I think (laughs) it, it shows you human and it takes a lot of courage to do. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the name of your book is A Someday Courtesan, a prequel to your horizontal life. Um, let's talk a bit about it. You said that you're going to publish it in April. I hope so. I mean, right now it's ready. It's just, it's at the editor and then it'll be about a week there and then it'll go to the formatter. So I'm really at this point reliant on other people you know, person who does this and the person who does that. And that all takes time because other people are busy too. So yes. it's really going to depend on that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm hoping mid-April, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> well, you know what? The most difficult part's done, right? It's written, it's finished. You've got the end on it, right? I put I the end on it a little premature, a little premature <laughs> because I put the end and then I handed it to my book coach slash editor and she said no <laughs> like, longest, longest ghost no I was like what she's like the ending just doesn't tie it together yet so I've been working on the ending now for the past three days it will um hopefully get there I thought it was a pretty good ending I don't know um, but so I've been doing that. So that's the only story that's not done, but it will be done. Good. Yes, I'm sure it's already it's a done deal. And you probably once you've done, once you've finished with the podcast, it will just come to you and you'll have it 
finished by, by it shall be finished or i shall die trying i shall go down with this ship <laughs> by sunset and this beautiful san diego sky you could be I done know. right <laughs> I know. it's so beautiful my mother says that she's like it's gorgeous outside and you're sitting inside like a hermit <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i have to have my um 20 minute uh, sun sun um bath every day so i've got to take my walk but i don't do it all the time of course because i'm i'm also behind the computer writing or whatever i'm doing um and i can feel it the next the next day i'm irritated and i'm thinking why am i feeling like eh, something not right in my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you it's definitely important yeah Move it or lose it, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And no, there's too much energy to um, sit in one place, um, one spot. I heard so, uh, the author, um, Dan Brown, um, who wrote, you know, um, uh, what's it called? The oh. Da Vinci Code. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, and he does this, uh, he did a master class series and i like some of the master classes but i really liked his he's amazing and he talked about he has to set his timer and stand up and do push-ups or walk outside or get you know in between every uh hour or so of writing so yes. he writes he goes comes back he, you know but he can't sit for the full amount of time it's too um it doesn't it's not productive and it hurts his body yes well i don't i don't sit at all um i've got a standing desk so I'm standing all the time. I can't sit. I, I don't know. It's like I've got ants in my pants, you know. So you, you know, like, where did that come from, anyway? So I, I work a bit, and then I've got to move around. So I can't sit still for long. Yeah, those those are great. I used to have a standing desk too, but then I started leaning really weird ways. You know, it was like I became like a beanstalk that was like curved to the side. Uh, okay. <laughs> What is wrong with her posture? It's just like, like a walking sea, you know? <laughs> very weird. That's very weird. Yeah. Yes. So um, what what's going, what's the, for Seth Haven after a someday courtesan? Okay, so I'm really excited about what's next because the someday courtesan was uh, fun, but it was quite serious. And I think it's, I mean, serious to work on, not serious to read, but serious to work on, because I, like I said, it's very vulnerable. But um, so I'm glad I said what I said, because I wanted to say it. Um, and now I want to do the fun book of just, it's going to be called Cocktails, so with with the T-A-L-E-S. So oh, cocktails. Okay. And, um, nice. <laughs> and nice. it's just going to be a collection of stories from that don't really, it's not anything I can fit in a book with an arc. You know, like a yes, beginning, yes, middle, and yes, end. It's just yes. stories that I've collected over the years that are stories or just little moments, blips in time that were like, what happened there? You know, <laughs> <laughs> he did what? She did what? You know, those moments. So um, they don't fit into a beginning, middle, end book. So I wanted to write this book called Cocktails, and I was going to do that at the end of the entire series. But right now, I think I need it now myself. So I think I'm going to put that book together. And it should just be a fun romp, you know, through different eras of escortness. Is that the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That could be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So that's something to look forward to. And I think it's probably more fun for you to, to go back and write about it. And I hope so. I'm sure I'm, you'll have lots of giggles. 
I hope so. I hope it's a blast. I know that when I collected a lot of the stories from cocktails, I collected while I was working. So I would go to the bathroom with a cocktail napkin and write down, you know, man with purple underwear standing upside down, or, you know, <laughs> like notes to myself about it. <laughs> so, you know, so I wouldn't forget. And then I would try and get home and write out at least a paragraph. So I would remember the story because I still have all these First of all, I had a storage unit with it, which was crazy, but I have all these like weird scraps of paper and some of them I don't remember anymore. Like what, what does like ch chemical peel vial have to do with anything? I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or, you know, Superman changing in the bathroom. I don't remember that anymore, but, <laughs> but just that alone, I could just say Superman changed in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, you know what you could do, actually, you could make but, it, you could make it a prompt. And then ask ask your followers to just come up with their own stories. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah, they could write the whole book for me. Exactly, right? That would be great. I would love to know what they came up with. Yes. yes. That would be fun. That's a great idea. I'm sure a lot of men would think of exactly what was in their fantasy and write that. Yes. I've always wanted to be Superman in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'll be a fun book. I'm looking forward to to writing it soon. I hope. Okay. Yes. Yes. Soon. You just have to take a rest. Just enjoy that you finished the second book, which is awesome, and go and enjoy the ocean and the beautiful weather and life. And then you can go back after a month or so or whatever. Oh, whatever it's going to have to be like shorter. But yeah, right now I'm so white. You would never know I live in San... The people would be like, you live in Alaska? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, is, it has been winter, you know. Um, with the weather that's been so cool, I've been wearing shorts. Like, it's oh, not summer yet. It's, ah, I'm wearing shorts. It's so cool. But yes. Isn't it nice? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I just love this is paradise for me me too I, I agree me too <laughs> I don't even want to travel anymore you know I used to travel um for work uh twice a month and always be gone um mm -hmm. to New York or Chicago or you know for work and so now we've been in pandemic so haven't done that but it's ending and I really do need to go back to life and work and I'm thinking I don't want to leave San Diego no no why no, would you want know. to and no. everything's here it's so beautiful and then you, you know you go to the beach and when you're bored you go to downtown or you go to little italy or wherever it's just so beautiful here okay you can say i'm very passionate about living in San <laughs> <laughs> right well so if this has been an honor and a pleasure it's been really exciting um i'm glad that we discussed these uh judgment <laughs> judgment yeah. things which was really cool. It was nice to see the different um, the different perspectives, and um, we shall speak again. You know when I would you, love that when you do your next book or whenever you know just because we can, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think perhaps we should also, since that we're both living in San Diego, have a coffee sometime. A coffee <laughs> would be great. <laughs> Thank you, Seth. Okay. It's been an honor and a pleasure to, to speak to you again. And you good too. luck with your book. And we will chat soon. Okay. Thanks, Karina. Thanks, so everyone. Okay. Okay. Bye, everyone. See you soon. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.